Hey, this is Rich Wilkerson. I'm the pastor of Voo Church in Miami, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Today's awesome because we're kicking off a brand new study of the Gospel of Mark. And I wanna draw your attention to Mark chapter one. Uh, We put together some great resources for this new collection. We have Mark journals that are available. You can purchase a hard copy, uh, or you can even just download the digital study guide so that you can read along as we study this book of the Bible for, well, a fairly long time. I'm gonna tell you about it in a moment. But today, just a bit of it as we kick it off. Mark chapter one, verse one, it says, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah, the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Now John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. Watch this. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And Jesus was coming up out of the water. He saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Now, I wanna take a few moments today. Uh, We're kicking off a collection in January based on the book of Mark entitled Changes. And so I thought today's message, I would title it as we're stepping into 2021, an introduction to change. An introduction to change. Come on, somebody. I don't know about you, is there there anybody out there who's like me, who's a bit of a control freak? Where where there's a few control freaks in the studio. Because some people, even the control freaks don't even wanna admit that. They're like, they're too much of a control. I'm not gonna admit that. Um, I am certainly uh, a control freak. I like to be in control. And I think when I reflect back on the difficulty, especially of this past year, 2020, a, a big part of the difficulty, right, was just this idea that there were so many things that we don't have the power to control. I mean, how many changes took place in one year? You know, some of you, you're even watching this right now and you know, in just less than 10 months or less than 12 months, your whole life looks completely different. And you weren't expecting that. You weren't planning on that. You had no idea those changes were coming. No matter what we want to think, no matter what we want to believe, we all changed in 2020. I suppose the question is, did you change for the worse? Or did you change for the better? Because everyone changes, but not everyone improves. And today I want to introduce this collection on changes because I think when the new year starts, we're all thinking about that word change. 
I, I believe there's some faith-filled people that go, I, I do wanna change. I just wanna change for the good. I wanna change for the positive. I wanna be stronger. I wanna be smarter. I wanna be wiser. And today I believe in our study of Mark, we're gonna be quite encouraged around this idea because I think we're gonna see the introduction of change. Mark is, um, well, it's one of the four gospels and uh, we are starting this collection today. It's called Changes, but really this collection is taking us all the way to June. Yeah, you heard that right. Um, A six month collection. Yeah, oh, come on, we got some faithful people. Six months, six months. Now, we're gonna make it engaging and fun, and we're gonna change the titles around the different collections, but ultimately, every collection that we step into in February and March and April and May, it's all coming from the same source, which is the book of Mark. And maybe you're wondering, okay, Rich, why on earth did we, why did you guys choose to do this? Why are we doing this? Listen, I I love topical collections and we will do that again in the future. But man, with so many changes and with such a shaky world, anybody like me just looking for something sturdy? How many know there is nothing stronger than God's word? God's word is a solid rock. You can build upon that foundation. I don't know about you, but in 2021, I don't need something catchy. I need something concrete. And our church, as we started Voo Church, we had this one value at the very top list. It says, Jesus is our message. And what that means is it means that anything we preach, anything that we teach, It's to be embedded in this person named Jesus that our intention and our heart is to look more like him and to think more like him and to talk more like him, to be more like him. I wanna be more like Jesus in 2021. And so the team, we started talking and we started going, all right, how are we gonna, what what should we look at? And so we looked at the four gospels, but then we landed on Mark and you say, why'd you land on Mark? Well, aside from it being the shortest of the four gospels, praise God there was something that stood out about Mark that separated it. And while Mark is the shortest of the four gospels, there's also some beautiful parts about the gospel of Mark. The most beautiful thing being that you watch the life of Jesus in action. That Jesus is, he's in action. It's not really about what he's saying as much as it's about what he's doing. I think in 2021, a lot of us are going, what do I do? I don't know what to do. Well, we're gonna go to the gospel of Mark and we're gonna see what Jesus did. Uh, Mark is written by what most uh, scholars and theologians believe to be John Mark. Uh, some of you would remember John Mark. John Mark was one of the uh, missionary companions of the apostle Paul. We see him show up in the book of Acts, but really John Mark's maybe most famous moment in the Bible is that he had a major fallout with the apostle Paul. They were on a missionary journey doing some ministry and I don't know what happened, but some conflict took place and John Mark and Paul had a falling out. And so Barnabas went with John Mark and Paul went and tapped the shoulder of another guy named Silas and they, they parted ways. Um, can I just encourage some people out there? Uh, why do you think that you're gonna live a conflict-free life if the apostles themselves had some conflict? I don't know, but sometimes there's this false thinking, right? That if you're like a Christian, that you won't have any problems with people, that you won't have any challenges with people, that life is gonna be so, so easy. Uh, Actually, the apostle Paul disagrees. There's gonna be conflict. 
Sometimes I think when we think we're doing ministry, that ministry, there's not gonna be disappointments. There's not gonna be hardships or challenges. It's actually the opposite according to the Apostle Paul, that there's gonna be high expectations. And out of those expectations at times, there will be conflict. Listen, conflict is unavoidable, but reconciliation is attainable. What I love about the story of John Mark is that somewhere on the journey, he and the apostle Paul, they had a reconciliation. We read in 2 Timothy chapter four, that as Paul writes to his young apprentice, he says, bring John Mark with you. There must've been a reconciliation. Conflict isn't bad. The question is, can we be people of, of reconciliation? So Mark begins to write, and as you read the four gospels, they are all eyewitness accounts. They're, 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 they're like news reporters that are watching Jesus and then reporting to us. Now, if you know your Bible a little bit, maybe right away you would say, but Rich, um, was John Mark an eyewitness? Was he one of the disciples of Jesus? And the answer is no, he wasn't. He wasn't a disciple of Jesus. Instead, he was a disciple of Peter. So what most believe is most believe that Peter shared his eyewitness account to John Mark and John Mark wrote it down. And where this gospel separates itself from all of the other gospels is that it quickly becomes apparent that the person of the teacher is more important than the content of his teaching. We learn from Jesus, not so much in what he's saying, but much more in what he does. That's why we've subtitled all of the book of Mark, Jesus in action. If you like action movies, you're gonna like the book of Mark. Like for instance, all of the other gospels, they all start with what? Do we all know what, like, what's the first story you can think of in all the other gospels? Like how do they, how do they begin? The nativity, yeah, yeah. They all begin with baby Jesus, not Mark. He just skips to full grown Jesus, you know? Past puberty, he's just a full man, okay? Just full action. It's just how he begins in every part of this book is Jesus in action. And really, as you read it, you discover what? You discover why Jesus came. And why did Jesus come? He came to change us. I mean, you can't meet Jesus and not change. If you haven't changed, maybe you haven't met Jesus. Because the message of Jesus is that he comes and he finds us where we are and he changes everything about who we are from the inside out. This year doesn't have to look like last year. You can change today because Jesus has come and he has power to change you. He changes everything, but he certainly, certainly, certainly changes our perspective. <laughs> There's so many things about 2020 that we can't control, but if you're gonna be a wise person, and if you're gonna change for the positive, it's time that you stop focusing on what you can't control and recognize through the power of Jesus, you begin to focus on what you can control. See, you can't choose what you look like, but how I many you know you can choose to take care of your body, hello? <laughs> you can't choose your family of origin, but you can choose to shape your future family. You can't choose where you're born, but how I many you know you can choose where you live? You can't choose your personality, but you get to choose your character. You can't choose how you feel, but you can choose what you do. You can't choose what happens to you, but you can choose your response. None of us get to choose the problems that await us in 2021, but every one of us get to choose the strategy that we will take on. And today I wanna use these first 
few verses in the book of Mark. And I just entitled this an introduction to change. If you're gonna change in 2021, let me give you three things that you can focus on, three things that you can control in a world that's so full of uncertainty and in a world that at times seems so shaky. Let God's word become sturdy underneath your feet. Mark begins writing and he must have gotten this from Peter. He wasn't there firsthand, but he begins his book in verse one, and verse one tells us so much. Mark chapter one, verse one, it says, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the son of God. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the son of God. In this one sentence alone, Mark doesn't pull any punches. He is very, very explicit about what it is that he has come to share. The very first word for an invitation to change, the very first word is this word, identification. Everyone say identification. identification. This is so important that we, we, we grab this today, that if you're gonna change, it always begins with identification. It always begins with identity. And Mark, he's writing this and he's saying some blatantly loud, explicit things. It's like he wants to introduce Jesus the best way he possibly can. And he starts in his very first word as he says, the beginning. Now, when you're to read this uh, and it's an original text, what he's actually doing is something on purpose. He's mimicking Genesis chapter one. Remember Genesis chapter one, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So, so Mark, he just starts exactly how the Torah begins. Here he is giving the gospel of Jesus, but as he starts to give the gospel of Jesus, he lets all of those readers that are reading it, all of those persecuted early Christians that are converting from Judaism into Christianity, following Jesus, they're being persecuted as followers of the way. He starts it just the same way the Torah begins. And he says, the beginning, meaning, for Mark, the introduction of Jesus is no less momentous than the creation of the world. For in Jesus, a new creation is at hand. He wants you to see the parallel that you thought the creation of the world was awesome. This is equally as awesome. He says the beginning. He's seeking to introduce Jesus to us properly. How many know that introductions matter? Like, just think about the power of an introduction. Like in writing, they would say that like, you know, if you want to capture the reader, it starts with the introduction. In, in public speaking, that if you want to pique the audience's interest, it's all in the first couple of minutes. It's, it's in the introduction. Um, in, 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 in a concert, like, like how many know that like the introduction, that's what builds expectation. I don't know if you've ever been to one of your favorite concerts, like how are they going to come out? How's it going to start? In theater, it, it sets the tone for the rest of the play or for the rest of the musical. How about in social settings, right? Come on, in social settings, introductions create connection. You ever been to a party where you didn't know anybody and nobody introduced you to anybody? And you try to just sit there, like, what do you do? You don't know anybody, nobody knows you. You just like, you know, you try to put the vibe out, like, what's up? Or, or like in 2020, it's like you grab your phone and you act like you're doing some busy work, like, oh no, I'm, I've, I've got stuff to do, you know, like, because no one's making an introduction. You know, for me, I, I get a chance to, to speak at a lot of different places. And so I've been introduced really all over the world. And I've had some great introductions, 
But I've also had some really bad introductions. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times. Uh, today we have got Pastor Rick Wilkerson. You walk up, you're like, that's not my name. You know, like Pastor Rick Wilkerson, the pastor of Voss Church. No, it's not Voss. Oh, you guys got your own bottle of water, huh? No, no, that's not me, right? How many know, like quickly it strips away authority, quickly it strips away connection, quickly I find myself scrambling, trying to introduce who I am. I don't know what's worse, a bad introduction or, or no introduction. I remember as a young youth communicator, I'd show up to different places and you'd get there and you'd maybe meet the event coordinator and they'd have a whole bunch of rowdy students and he, you'd be there to speak at the camp or speak at the event. And you would say, well, when do I go up? They said, just go up whenever you want. It's like, what, is someone going to introduce me? It's like, no, you just go for it. You know, these kids have no idea here. Hi, I'm Rich. And I came to preach to you about, it's, it's, there's, no, there's no connection. There's, there's no power. Mark is making sure that he is giving you a bold, blatant introduction of what it is that he came to talk about. What does he say? He says the beginning, the beginning of what? The beginning of the gospel. The beginning of the gospel. Gospel means what? It means good news. So, hey, just think about this for a moment. This is like, okay, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the beginning of the gospel, good news. How many can use some good news in 2021? I don't know about you, but just everywhere I look, it's just, it's bad news. Just full of bad news, only bad news. You turn on the TV, bad news. If it bleeds, it reads. I want to encourage you today, as we come on this journey of changing, that as you open up the book of Mark, it's not full of bad news, it's full of Good news. Anybody grateful for the gospel? What does he say? He says, the beginning of the gospel. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So, so this, is the very, this is one sentence in, and he is already describing to us who he's introducing us to. He makes two clear facts that he wants everyone to know in the first sentence. This is the beginning of the gospel. This is, this is like creation, a Genesis effect of, of good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So two facts. Fact number one is that Jesus Christ I don't know if you know this, but, but, but Christ is not Jesus's last name. We got to get that because we forget that, you know, it's not like he doesn't go to the airport and it's not like, uh, attention, Mr. Christ, can you come see the gate agent? That, that's, that Christ is not his last name. Christ is his title. So, so think about titles f for a moment, you know, a therapist or, or, or a lawyer or a politician, um, a plumber, um, uh, a, a pastor, um, a teacher. Th th these are titles. And Christ is the title of Jesus. Christ in Greek means the anointed one. But in Hebrew, it means the Messiah. The Messiah to the Jews was one that they were awaiting that was going to come and relieve the oppression of the Jewish people. And he was going to bring about a new kingdom and, and save them and, and rescue them. So Mark in his first sentence is like, hey, you know that guy you've all been waiting for, that Messiah, uh, that, that, that king who's to come? He's here. 
His name is Jesus. He is the fulfillment of hundreds and hundreds of prophecies. He's here. I mean, this is why he quickly starts talking in verses two and three. He starts quoting the prophet Isaiah and he says, I will send my messenger ahead of you. Speaking of John the Baptist, who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the desert. He's trying to prove the fact of this introduction that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. And, in Greek, it means the anointed one. You say, but what, the anointed one, what does that mean? Well, another version is, is the chosen one. He's, he's chosen to do what? He's anointed to do what? Well, Jesus quotes Isaiah in Luke chapter four, and he says, I'll tell you what I'm anointed for. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. He's chosen me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What Jesus is declaring is Jesus is saying that you wanna know what I'm chosen for? You wanna know what I'm anointed for? I'm anointed and chosen to save. So when Mark says Jesus Christ, he is declaring his title. Isn't that amazing that when God looked down upon humanity and he looked at all of our problems and he looked at all the things that we can't control, he looked at all of our challenges, he didn't say, wow, you need another politician. He didn't go, oh, you know what they really need? They need a lawyer to help them out. He didn't go, you know what? I need to get them a new therapist. You know what they need? They need an athlete. They, they need a teacher. That's not what God looked down. God looked down and said, you know what they need? They need a savior. They need a savior. Jesus Christ means that he is the Messiah and the savior, but Mark goes even more provocative. He doesn't just say he's the Messiah in the same sentence. He says, Jesus Christ, the son of God. And what he's doing is quickly, he is revealing to all of us that he is not just one of humanity, but rather he has divinity inside of him. That Jesus is God. He's introducing us to who Jesus is. He's letting us know the identity of Jesus in the very first sentence. In fact, this is the entire theme of Mark. Everything Mark's gonna say from here on out is to point you back to, he's the Messiah, he came to save. And uh, guess what? He's God. Now listen to me. An invitation to change. If you want to change, Everything about what you believe about Jesus will determine what you believe about yourself. I think it's really simple. Do you believe that Jesus came to save you? And do you believe that Jesus is God? Because if you believe this, if the answer is yes, it will radically shift and change your life forever. Because quickly you will understand that God loves you and that God is with you. Why? Because you don't save those you are angry with and you don't walk with those you wish to abandon. And the moment that you actually recognize Jesus in his real identity is the moment that you start to catch your real identity. 
Let me just tell you, you will never, ever, ever become who you're called to be if you don't know who you are. And I wonder how many of us out there right now, the reason why we can't ever seem to change our lifestyle or our habits or our behavior is not because we don't have the strength to, it's not because we don't have the wherewithal to, but rather it's because we don't have an identity. We don't know who we are. The moment I understand that Jesus is the Christ, so he came to save me. He's not mad at me. So many of us, we got this vision of God. Oh, I'm just trying to please God. No, 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 God's pleased with you. He came to save you. Jesus is the Christ. Like you can't, you could, he couldn't counsel you out of your sin. He had to save you out of that. He, he's the Messiah and, and he's God that, He's God, he's Emmanuel who walks with us. I open up Mark and I see Jesus as God in the flesh walking with people. It tells me he's gonna walk with me. I've never had a day that I've been alone. He's never left me, he's never forsaken me. I know who I am in Christ. And it's important because identity influences choices. If you're trying to change your choices this year, it starts with your identity. Who are you? Don't pretend to be someone God never created you to be. I remember when I first started dating Don Cherie and uh, I, was, I was like 17 and I went to visit her. I've told the story before, but I was just so excited to be with her. And I was with some of like her older relatives. I don't know, it was like a great grandmother or someone. And I was there and she was introduced me to some of her friends. And she's like, this is Nathan Wilkerson. And of course, my name's not Nathan. My name's Rich, you know? And so I tried to correct it. You know, hey, my name's Rich, you know? And they said, what's your name? And the woman said, no, his name's Nathan. And I was like, no, it's Rich. And they're like, what's your name? And she's like, his name's Nathan. And after about three times, I just, they said, what's your name? I said, my name's Nathan. My name's Nathan. <laughs> my name's Nathan. And I was just thinking about that the other day. I wonder how many of us are continuing to answer or continuing to respond to a name that we were never created to carry. I wonder how many of you out there continue to walk in a pattern because you continue to behave not according to who you are, but rather who you believe that you are. Listen to me, we behave according every single time to who we believe that we are. And an invitation to change starts with this word identification, that you must identify first with Jesus so that you can discover who you are. Now that I know who Jesus is, that he came to save and that he's God, it now allows me to recognize who I am. Can I remind you who you are? You're a child of God. You're loved by God. You're picked by God. He has a plan for you. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. It's an invitation to change. It's called identification. But Mark doesn't stop there. He, he continues in Mark chapter one, verse four. He starts with giving the identity of Jesus, which is this invitation to, to change. And he continues and says, so John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. An invitation to change. The first word is identification. The second word is confrontation. Confrontation. Here's, 
Here's John the Baptist, and I just, I just love John. John is fulfilling a prophecy that we read about in uh, Isaiah as well as in Malachi. It's an indication, once again, that Jesus is this Messiah, this chosen one. But John is like this wild man for Jesus. He's out in the wilderness preaching this provocative, challenging, confrontational message. I mean, the dude is in, you know, camel hair, leather belt, eating locust. I mean, this is like, this is a real man, okay? Like, this, this guy's wild, bro. I think about my boys, you know? I'm raising two sons right now. I want to raise wild men for Jesus. I, I literally named one of them wild, for goodness sakes. I think there's this side to us that so often we think that Christianity should make us domesticated and tame. But John the Baptist, he so breaks the box and the paradigm that following Jesus is adventurous and it requires courage and boldness. I'm raising my boys right now. We have this little code that we say every night before we go to bed. And the code is really simple. The code is this. The code as a Wilkerson boy is to save the princess. It's to take down the dragon and it's to honor the king. And every night I'll look at Wyatt and say, Wyatt, what's the code? Goes, he goes, say the princess, say the dragon, and say the king. I go, That's, you got three words right, but you don't have the intention all the way right. You say, Rich, why are you giving that code? Because I, I want to put in my boys right now that we are called to be courageous, that we're called to be brave, that we're called to trust in God. Here's John the Baptist and he's out in the wilderness. He's in a desolate place. And as I look at John the Baptist, I'm telling you what, I look at his life and it is encouragement and it's a reminder to me that God is powerful. Yeah. Like everything about John's ministry, I'm like, it should not be effective. It shouldn't be. Like it does not make any sense. We're in 21 days of prayer and fasting right now. We're in day seven. Uh, one of the things I'm doing is I'm fasting Instagram. Hello. Isn't it amazing when you give up something, how quickly you realize I am so dependent on that thing. I'm having like Instagram withdrawals, you know, like you ever go to your phone and you've deleted it and you're like, oh, it's not there. What am I doing? Like I'm having phantom pain or something. I'm telling you, so many of us, we're so, so used to, to going back to these things. And until it gets removed, we don't recognize just how inundated and dependent we are. I think for me, what I've noticed more and more as I've been taking my fast is just how we live in this narcissistic nation, this self-absorbed world where we're always thinking about ourself. But when I look just a little bit at the life of John the Baptist, Oh my goodness, it doesn't make any sense. He's a PR nightmare. Like, like, like he doesn't have a good location for his ministry. What is he doing out in the desert? What is he doing out in the wilderness? But crowds of people would come and find him in the wilderness and listen to him preach. I mean, his message is not popular. It doesn't go down sweet. He's confronting the religious group. His entire message is repent from your sins. But what I see over and over again is that if you will consecrate yourself to the Lord, if you will put God first, he can use you in mighty and incredible ways. Listen, when you have God's authority, you don't need man's advertising. When you have God's presence, you don't need man's publicity. When, when you are picked by heaven, it does not matter if you're promoted by this world. 
Mark is out there and he's leading a revival. And what is his message? His message is one of confrontation. He's preaching a message of repentance for sins, a remission of sins. It's a challenging message. Listen, if it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. And he's confronting people with their, with their sin, with their mistakes, and he's calling them to a life of repentance. Repentance means to turn. What is he calling them to turn from? He's calling them to turn from self to God. He's calling them to turn from sin to righteousness. He's calling them to turn from flesh to the spirit. It's a call of repentance. I just want to encourage you today. So many of us, we want to change in 2021, but listen to me, if you don't face it, you can't change it. So many of us are going through life and we're looking at our life and we've got problems and we've got issues, but we're kind of just denying them or we're just kind of hiding from them or we're running from them or we're delaying in dealing with them. I believe as we read the story here in Mark that there is a great call from God and the great call is it's time to confront. It's time to face it. When we repent, what we're doing is we're turning our eyes off of ourself. We're putting all of our trust in God and saying, I'm putting you first. I'm changing the direction of my life and I'm choosing to follow you. Change me, God. I I, I want to be changed. I want to repent. See, what's powerful about repentance is repenting forces you to acknowledge that you have responsibility and ownership of the problem. See, see, repentance, true repentance is not, oh, um, I have some problems. True repentance is, I am the problem. True, true repentance is not like, yo, I have some sin. True repentance is, I am a sinner. I have to confront this head on. I just feel like there's so many of you out there today that are watching that you're like, I'm just tired of going through the motions. I'm just tired of having the same old, same old. I want something to change. The only way something can change is first, you must know who you are. You must believe who you are. You must believe what God says about you, but then you must confront the brutal facts. I don't know what you need to have change in your marriage, but you're gonna have to confront it. I don't know what you need to have change in your family, but you gotta confront it. I don't know what you need to have change at your job, but you got to confront it. I don't know what you want to have change in your body, but you're not going to ever see change unless you confront it. And maybe you're watching your bit saying, but Rich, man, like I, I, I'm down. That's cool. That's sweet. Like I will confront it and I will like acknowledge that I got some mistakes, but I kind of have done that before, but I don't feel like anything has ever changed. Here's what's powerful. Mark is making it clear that John the Baptist is the last Old Testament prophet, that he was the one to prepare the way for Jesus. He's the forerunner of the gospel, the forerunner of the good news. John himself doesn't really bring good news. John is setting the stage for the good news. John himself is not necessarily the beginning of the gospel. He's a little bit of the forerunner of the beginning of the gospel. He's like the opening act John, well, his baptism was a baptism of acknowledgement, of repentance, of remission of sins to recognize I got problems. 
But watch what John says. Verse seven of Mark in our reading. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. Here we go. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Another translation says, he will baptize you with fire. The he in Mark chapter one there is Jesus, that Jesus, when he comes, he's not gonna baptize you with water. He's gonna baptize you with fire. Fire is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And for those of you out there that are going, I, I feel like I haven't changed. I feel like I haven't, nothing's different. Well, I wanna encourage you. This is, this is the good news of the gospel. The gospel is the, is the proclamation that you can change and that you will change. But when Jesus invades your life, he does not just do a baptism of water. You know, today um, we've got Baptism Sunday. I love it. It's a proclamation that I'm on my way to heaven, that I follow Jesus. But a baptism of water is, is like a external cleansing. Fire, on the other hand, is a purification mechanism. Water cleanses, fire purifies. And what John is saying is that when Jesus comes, he's gonna send the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will purify you, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. He's gonna give you a brand new heart. He's gonna create in you a brand new spirit. It is the miracle working power of the Holy Spirit in your life. So Jesus comes and he, he baptizes us with fire. He changes us, not with a behavior modification, but with a heart transformation. But we'll never see that take place unless we confront the problems, confront the sin, confront the issues. Until I face it, I, I can't change it. But Mark continues, verse 9, he says, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. An invitation to change starts with identification. It moves to confrontation. But lastly, it finishes with this declaration. I don't know what you're, you're declaring for 2021, but I believe it's important that you start declaring something good, something great. This is gonna be the best year of our lives. I believe that Voo Church is, hasn't seen her best days yet. I believe there's miracles coming. I believe that this one property at the end of 2020 is just the beginning of many more properties that are coming to our ownership. I don't know when we're gonna get back to gathering physically precisely, but I do know that when we come back, it's gonna be more powerful. It's gonna be greater than ever. I declare it. I make an announcement and a proclamation of what the year holds. I don't just want to identify and I don't just want to confront. I want to declare. I want to speak faith. I want to get my words out in front of me. What we see here is we see Jesus getting baptized by John and it's a beautiful moment. Today, many of you getting baptized at Jungle Island, you don't get baptized to go to heaven. You get baptized because you're letting everybody know I'm on my way to heaven. Maybe the greatest reason why you get baptized is because Jesus got baptized. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to look more like Jesus. And this beautiful thing takes place as Jesus, as he goes under the water and as he comes out of the water, the scripture says, the heaven opens up and the voice of God 
speaks. This is my son whom I love and am well pleased. Then the scripture says something peculiar. It says that a dove hovered over him and it was the power of the spirit. What's amazing is that for you and I, when we read this, um, this idea of the Holy Spirit being a dove, it's not very peculiar to us. But when Mark wrote this and people first read this, this would have been like an aha big moment because there's only one other time that the Holy Spirit is likened to a dove. It comes in the Jewish writings as they took the old Torah and they would translate part of it. They would take the writings and as they took the writings, they put it into a collection of documents known as the Targums and they would translate it into Aramaic. And when they translated this word about the spirit, it shows up one time in the early writings in Genesis chapter one, verse one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Remember, Mark is saying, this is a big deal. This is just like the Genesis moment. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. It says the spirit hovered over the face of the waters. That Hebrew verb means flutter. And the spirit fluttered over the face of the waters. To capture a vivid image, the rabbis translated the passage for the Targumist like this. And the earth was without form and empty and darkness was on the face of the earth and the spirit of God fluttered above the face of the waters like a dove. What Mark is doing is Mark is showing <laughs> that in the same way that the Trinity was present at creation, that we have God, we have the word of God, that's how he created, we have the spirit of God. That same Trinity is present once again at the baptism of Jesus. For we have the Father, which is the voice. We have the Word of God, which is Jesus. And the dove, which shows up in Genesis chapter one, is the Spirit. And in the same way they created the world, they are also now creating the story of redemption and rescue and renewal that you can change, that you're invited to change because we have a Savior. He's the Messiah and He is the Son of God. He's God in the flesh. And that voice, what does that voice speak out? Right there in that moment, that voice says, this is my son. That voice represents that God's, He accepts you. Uh, God has acceptance for you. God loves you. This is my son whom I love. You sense his affection. God doesn't, he's not cold. He, he wants to wrap you up. He, he wants relationship with you. Whom I am well pleased. This is the affirmation of heaven. And friends, let me just encourage you today. Before Jesus does one good deed recorded, we already have the acceptance and the affection and the affirmation of God the Father. What I wanna tell you today is that if you're saying, I don't know if I can change, I don't know, you don't have to focus on what you can't control. Shift your perspective to the power of Jesus. What can you control? 
Today, your identity, it does not come from what you do, it comes in what you believe. If you will confront the areas of problem and sin and say, I'm turning away from myself and I'm turning towards the Father, there is a great declaration from heaven. And that declaration says, before you get all of 2021 right, before you do everything good, you are accepted. I have love for you and I affirm you, you are my child. It's an invitation to change. And that's what I bring to you today is there's a, there's a great invitation for this year, not to look like last year, that you, you, you can change today. You, you can change today. That, that Jesus, he, he came to change you, came to change you. What do you believe about him? That's really my question. What, what do you believe about Jesus? Today, as you believe that he is who he said that he is, he's gonna baptize you with fire. That's gonna be a change from the inside out. You might not feel it, but it doesn't mean that it didn't happen because the sanctification process begins and we become more and more like Jesus. Sometimes it simply takes us declaring. That's why the apostle Paul said, you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. You believe who God is, you believe who you are, you confront your sin, and then you declare what you believe. And I declare over you today that God has good things in store for you. I declare that God has good plans for you, that God loves you and wants to bring you on the journey of change. If you believe today, come on, would you put your hands together? Would you thank Jesus all over this place? Hey, right where you are today, if you've never met Jesus today, would you just bow your head? He's here right now. He wants to meet you. It says, yet to all who believed in him and received in his name, he gave them the right to be called children of God. Can you just put your faith in him today? Can you put your trust in him today? He, he, he loves you. He has such a good plan for you. It just begins by believing and confessing, believing and confessing. Pray this prayer if that's you. Say, dear Jesus, today I choose to follow you. I give you my life. I surrender all of who I am over to you. I believe you are Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I believe that you came to forgive me of my sins, to baptize me with the Holy Spirit, so that I might declare that I am your child. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we put our hands together? Can we thank God today for everyone who just prayed that prayer? Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with friends. It helps so much. For more content from VU and to connect with us, go to vuchurch.com. We love you. The best is yet to come.